All right, let's get into it. Third service. It's going to be good. At least I think it will be. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, if you have your Bible, you can grab it and head over that way. I'm Pastor Jake, if you're new. Uh, I'm uh, the lead pastor here, and it's my honor and privilege to unpack and study the Word of God with you and for you today. Um, feels like I haven't preached in a while. Uh, this storyteller guy was up here uh, the last few weeks. I thought that would be funny, but it's not. Um, so <laughs> it's good to be back. And welcome to 2019. Uh, we're there. We're in 2019. It won't help you to say, I can't believe it. Oh, it snuck up on me. Uh, it's, last year went so fast. No way. I'm not ready for this. It won't help you to say any of that because... Whether you like it or not, 2018 is gone. It's gone. You can't get it back. If you failed, if you, you didn't get something done, you didn't do what you planned to do, you wish you had your time back, too bad, so sad. It's gone. There's no cake. There's no ice cream. Happy birthday. <laughs> but there are really three kinds of people when it comes to the new year each year. Um, there are those that are just dreading it, right? Uh, they look up and they're like, oh, it snuck up on me. They're looking back. Oh, I didn't do anything I was supposed to do this last year. They're just regretting all that's happened. They act like they're surprised by the new year. Like, ah, oh, it came after December. I wasn't ready. Um, I was supposed to work out more. Didn't do that. I was supposed to stop eating donuts as they... Grab a donut and put it in there, fatter than last year's face. Was that too much? It's too much? Too real? Too real? Okay. Um, at least they go, at least I was supposed to, you know, go back, go down from one pack to, to half a pack a day of donuts. They regret last year. They're not ready for this year. These people don't get into the new year till like February or March or June. You know, some of you are like this. It's summer and you're like, okay, it's 2019. It's been 2019 for six months, okay? There are three kinds of people. The one regretting last year, surprised by January that it showed up again. Then there are the people that, that love the new year. And they're just obnoxious about it. You know these people? It's exhausting. They're just excited. They're like Will Ferrell as the elf. They're just like, I'm smiling. I love to smile. I smile. I'm so happy. New years, new things, new beginnings. And I'm like, oh my gosh, please stop, right? These are the people that are blissfully, either blissfully unaware of the failure that was last year. Like December 31st passes, it's like it never happened. It's okay. We're moving forward. We're not looking back. All of that. Or... These are, are the goals people. Do you know people like this that they're just making goals left and right and then they're accomplishing them? It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting just watching these people work, right? You, it's exhausting hearing about like, okay, okay, we get it. You lost 97 pounds last year and you're going for 83 this year. I get it. I, I, we're, we, you can do stuff. Congratulations. You can do stuff. I can't. Don't talk about it. Okay, you ran three marathons last year, and this year you're going to do triathlons. Great! Good job! Stop telling us about it, right? It's exhausting. You defeated donuts. I'm still in that battle. Leave me alone. You got out of debt. You started gardening. You took in seven orphans. You reupholstered the whole living room furniture, and it's January 6th. You're exhausting all of us. You goals people. There are people that hate the new year, people that love it. Then there are those that just don't care, right? Um, it means nothing. Some of you are like, 
January 1, same as March 1, same as June 1, same as October 1. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. Um, to you, it means nothing. 2019 is no different than 2018 or 1978, based on your pants, right? <laughs> or the mullet. Keep it coming. The mullet, it'll, it'll happen. It's fine. It'll come back. It's coming back. Um, you don't get it, I, or you don't care. And I get it. Like, most of us are in the dreading it or not caring about it. And I get it, because we've tried the New Year's resolution game, and it hasn't worked, right? We've tried doing it, and it just doesn't work. We do it every year. did it for many years, and it just never works out. According to U.S. News and World Report, 80% of New Year's resolutions don't last through February. 80% don't last through February. We tend to have little to no restraint during the holidays, right? Because we're thinking January 1's coming. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make up for it. Then it gets here and it doesn't work. January 1 comes and dieting apps are like at a, you know, all-time high in sales, right? Budgeting apps, budgeting books, all of that's flying off the shelves. New gym memberships are everywhere. Have you ever been to the gym in January? Some of you are like, I only go in January. That's when I go. I go in January each year. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I go January next year. I just keep my membership for January. It's crazy in there in January. No treadmills open, classes full, bunch of amateurs who don't know how to work the machines, right? Getting hurt left and right. That's January. But February, it's not too bad. March, it's like a ghost town in there. You walk in, you're thinking like, did I miss something? Are they open? Like, what's... God, did a tornado warning happen, or did the rapture happen and I missed it? You know, you're worried for your soul and your salvation as you walk in in March. So I get it. I, I tend to agree that New Year's resolutions, they don't, they don't work. But even people that dread it or don't care about the New Year, at, at other times during their lives and during the year, that they're wanting to do uh, New Year type things, Right? New Year type things. What I'm saying is that we, we all at times want to improve, don't we? We all want to improve. We want to get better, fix things that are broken. And really it goes back to the very beginning because we were created for the perfection of a perfect relationship with a perfect God in the Garden of Eden. And yet, our first grandparents, Adam and Eve, chose sin over that perfect relationship with the perfect God. And ever since then, we've lived in an imperfect world with an imperfect nature. But that longing for the Garden of Eden has not gone away. That longing for something bigger, something better, something more meaningful, something deeper. That longing for a relationship with a perfect God, it hasn't gone away. It remains in us all. And for Christ followers and those who aren't Christ followers, what happens is that this innate longing, it tends to, to turn into a lifelong journey of trying to get somewhere, but, but never arriving. A road trip that never ends, always reaching, but never really grasping hold of anything. There's always something to work on, always something to improve. But if, even when we succeed in the goals that we set, we don't feel like we thought we would feel. We don't get the fulfillment we thought we would get, and so we just make another goal and we keep going. We never really get there, never really feel complete, fulfilled, finished. 
satisfied. And I think it's because our focus is on the wrong things. Or we just can't keep our focus on the right things. We're distracted. I mean, it is out of control difficult to keep our focus in our time and in our world today, right? Isn't it so hard? I mean, so much is coming at us from all these different angles. It's difficult to focus on what really matters. We have these goals, these resolutions, but it's hard to achieve them in a world like ours. We're, we're like moths flying from one light to the other, right? Just going, 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 never getting anywhere. And it's, it's not just the bad things that distract us. Let me show you what I mean. This represents your life, your time, what you do with your life and what you do with your time. Some of you are distracted and tempted by sinful things, blatantly bad, blatantly wrong. You fill your life with sinful attitude and action. You fill your life with drunkenness and gossip and worry and sexual addiction, materialism, greed. You fill your life with selfishness and pride and all of those things. Some of you, you fill your life with sin, blatantly bad, obviously wrong stuff. But for many of us, It's not sinful things that distract us. We're not distracted by all of these things. For for many of us, it's, it's good things that distract us. Good things that take the place of God things. And so for a lot of us, what we do is we fill our lives with good things. Neutral at worst. Neither bad nor good. Unnecessary, but still Still there, not sinful. Things like reading novels, watching TV. These things aren't inherently sinful, right? Things like going to the lake on the weekend with the kids. Watching sports, going to the game. Kids activities, going from practice to practice to practice. Game to game to game, meet to meet to meet. Filling our lives with this stuff. Other hobbies like weekend trips, hunting, or if you're into this kind of thing, basket weaving <laughs> or ferret racing. <laughs> but you fill your lives with this. You fill your lives with, fill our lives with, with Facebook scrolling and career advancement, making money. None of those things are inherently sinful. Some of them are actually pretty good, Right? So some of you, most of you maybe, are filling your life with good things or, or neutral things. And then no matter what you, no matter which one you are, if you're this one or that one, you have to fill your lives with the necessary things, the things that you have to do to get by. You have to go to work, right? You have to make money. You have to pay the bills. You have to feed the kids. I don't know about your kids, but my kids keep wanting to eat every day. And so I'm just like, I'm pretty sure I fed you yesterday, you know, but you got to feed them again. You got to do the laundry. You got to clean the house. You got to do all of these necessary things. No matter which one you are, you're doing these things. You're mowing the lawn and you're taking care of the house and you're doing your taxes. If you're in Illinois, that's always a really fun thing to do. So you do your taxes You do all of this stuff, and within this is stuff that you can't plan for, the needs of families and family and friends, right? Family members and friends. And and so 
no matter which side you're in, if you filled your life with, with pretty good things or neutral things, or you filled your life with sinful, blatantly bad, obviously wrong things, no matter which one you are, at this point, your life is pretty full, isn't it? Your life is pretty full already. You can't really fit much more. And yet, you have this longing, this longing for Eden, this longing for the perfect relationship with a perfect God, this longing for something more, even if you can't define it like I just defined it, this longing for something more. So if you're this person, maybe you're thinking, like, I I just want to do something of value with my life. You look back over this last year, or you're coming to the end of a year, and you're going, I got to do something of value. I haven't done anything of value with my life. And so for you, maybe it's time with family. Maybe it's time with friends. Maybe for you, it's, it's doing stuff for, for people who need help, serving those in need. Things like, because it makes you feel good. Things like St. Jude Run or, you know, ringing the bell for Salvation Army, something like that. But you go, I got to do something of value with my life. And you start to put those things in, but there's not much room, right? You can't, you can't fit. There's so much more that you could do of value with your life, but you just can't fit it in because your life is already full of sin, Things that have to happen and nothing more. And if this is you here, you're you're thinking the same thing. I want to do something of value with my life. But maybe you're a Christian and you're looking back on the last year or decade and it's not full of a bunch of sin. It's full of a bunch of good things. But you start to think, I want to do what God has called me to do. I want to sacrificially love my wife. I want to honor, respect, and support my husband. I want to be a God-honoring parent. You think, I want to serve those who are in need. I want to serve my church, be an active part of my church. I want that to be something. Maybe it's spiritual disciplines, like God, like honoring God with your tithe, spending time in the word of God and in prayer and in fasting and meditation, service, other things. So many different things that you could do if you want to follow God's commands. But you start to put those in, and and it's too late. Everything's full. You can't get any of those in, or not much, at least. If this is you, what's happened is that you've neglected the God things in favor of the good things. You've filled your life with good things, but forgotten to fill your life with God things. And it's a devastating place to be. But here, here's the revelation that I want you to see from these two. And I think this will change your life if you'll let it. If you'll really let it sink in and you'll think about it this week, I think it'll change your life. What I want you to see is that the result is no different. That if you are filling your life with good things, but not God things, you're not doing what God has called you to do. You end up at the end of a year or the end of a day or the end of a decade and your life is full of these neutral and good things but not God things. If that's you, then the devil has succeeded in derailing your life as if you filled it with sinful things. As if your life is filled with drunkenness and gossip and selfishness and materialism and sexual immorality. Even if it's, it's the same result, right? You still can't fit the God things that, that he wants you to fit in your life. You still can't fulfill his calling that he's placed on your life. Are you tracking with me so far? All right. 
Let me show you this in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he writes something that I think is um, vital for us, important for us as we think about these things. Starting in verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Let's stop there for a second. So the idea is that we are supposed to be building our lives on a foundation and that we are choosing what materials we are using to build this thing, right? We're choosing that. And so whether it's good things or neutral things or sinful things or God things, you're choosing what you're going to build your life with. So the question becomes, does it matter? Does it matter that I choose straw over gold? Right? Does it matter what I choose to build my life with? Look at the next verse. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, verse 13, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So let me ask you a question. Does it matter what we choose to build our lives with? I'm going to ask you again. You guys ready? Usually it takes three times. That was one, so you got two more chances. Does it matter, based on what we just read, does it matter what we choose to build our lives with? Absolutely. It absolutely matters to God what we choose to spend our time on, what we build our life with. Each of our lives, in the end, will be tested with fire. If we spent our time on the right things, if we planted what we were supposed to plant, if we invested in what we were supposed to invest in, in, if we weren't distracted by neutral things that kept us from best things or good things that kept us from God things, then what we built will stand the test and there will be a reward. But if not, it said if we wasted our time on stuff that in the end just doesn't matter, whether it was sinful or good or neutral, whatever it was, it wasn't eternal. It wasn't what God has called us to do. Then it'll be burned up in the fire and you'll suffer loss. Look at the rest of verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I want to stop there for a second because sometimes this passage is taken to mean that this is all not that big of a deal. Um, I mean, at least I made it, right? At least I made it in the end. There's that whole idea that making it is all that matters. So no matter how you build your life, no matter what you use to build your life, at least you'll make it. Even if it's only as though through fire, which means barely. It means you made it, but you still smell like smoke. You made it, but you're still simmering a little bit. It's like when you're standing next to a fireplace or, or a a fire pit, and, and you feel your leg or your, back, or your back start to burn a little bit, and you step away, but it still burns for a minute, that's what's going to happen. You're going to make it, but you're still going to feel that burn, right? You're still going to be feeling that burn. So you may 
You may look at this passage and think that in the end, it doesn't really matter how you build your life, whether there's sin taking up a bunch of your life or it's just these neutral or good things taking the space of best or God things. Because as long as you make it, you're good to go. After all, God is a God of love, isn't he? Grace, mercy. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm going to make it in the end. God loves me. God knows my heart. Like, he knows where I'm at. It's the pastor. It's okay. I'll make it in the end. Trust me. God will let me in. He's a God of love. It doesn't matter that I'm putting something else besides him at the center of my life. It doesn't matter that I'm blatantly and obviously and purposefully going against the commands of God with my life. That doesn't matter. God's a God of love. He'll let me in. Beloved, this is a very, literally, it's, it's a very damning way to view this scripture that we're looking at. To look at it this way is to refuse the message of the whole Bible. And maybe more interestingly, it's to, it's to refuse the message of the verse right before what we read and the verse right after what we read. So oftentimes we misunderstand scripture and the key is just going, what, what did it say before that? Before we make a decision on what this is saying, what did it say the verse before that and the verse after? So let me show you those verses really quick. Verse 11, before what we read, it says this, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Then the Apostle Paul writes that if if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, all of that, and after he talks about how that's going to look, what's going to happen, that you're going to suffer loss if you do one thing, you're going to be rewarded if you do another. After all of what we read, he says this in verse 16, do you not know? That you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? So this whole thing is in the context of building your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's in the context of God's spirit dwelling in you, being God's temple, which means that you have once and for all completely and totally surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ. Not that you just believe that he's real, but that you've surrendered your life over to him. Not just as the one who saves you as Savior, but as Lord too, which means that he's the master of your life. It means that he makes the decisions about where your life goes. He issues the command and you obey. That's what it means to have Jesus as Lord. Even if you have really good reasons for doing one thing over the other, even if all your friends, Christian or not, would say objectively, neither of these things is sinful, neither of these things is bad, they're both good. Even if you have good reasons to go this direction, if you've given your life over to Jesus Christ for real, then you go whatever direction he wants you to go. You go whatever, wherever he wants you to go. You say what he wants you to say. You do what he wants you to do. No matter what your friends are saying or what the world says or what your kids' friends are doing or your own logic or your own values tell you. Listen, you will not make it without 
giving your life over to Jesus. You will not make it without giving your life over to Jesus. There, that's where this whole thing starts. Don't, don't be deceived into thinking any other way. You cannot do this by your own willpower, your own hard work, your own discipline, or anything like that. You are not good enough. I don't care what the world says. <laughs> you, let me just be honest. You are not good enough. You are not smart enough to pull this off by yourself. Jesus' way is the only way to please God and be at peace with him. It's the only way to fulfill that longing in all of us to get back to the Garden of Eden. Jesus is the only way. So, So give your life over to him first and foremost. And you can do that right here, right now. Like you don't need a pastor to pray for you. You don't need a priest to do business between you and God. You don't need holy water. You just need a heart that wants to give itself over to Jesus Christ. You can talk to him right now. You can give yourself over to him right now. You can make that decision right now and your life will be transformed. I'm not talking about being a church person. Like I'm, I'm not talking about being a, being a church person. That, there are a lot of church people that are, haven't given their lives over to Jesus. A lot of people in this room who might think that because they're church people, because they're here on a regular basis, they've somehow given their life over to Jesus, but their lives outside of these walls prove something different. Their stances on things, their beliefs about things, the way that they live their lives proves that they haven't yet given their life over to Jesus because they're building with hay and straw and it's it's burning up. So I'm not talking about being a church person. I'm talking about being a Jesus follower. So this passage that we're looking at is talking about those who have been transformed into a temple of the Holy Spirit whose lives have Jesus as the foundation. But don't miss the revelation here. Don't miss what it's saying. If that's all true, then what 1 Corinthians 3 just said is that there's more work to do, right? Because it's all about people who already have Jesus as the foundation. That's the context of the whole passage, And so there's more work to do. Jesus is the foundation. Yes, you will be saved in the end because of that. Even if you smell like smoke for like the first millennia in heaven. Even then, yes. But there is more. This is about more than just you believing or being saved. This is about more than you walking an aisle or raising a hand or getting dunked in some water on Baptism Sunday. It's about more than how you fill out that religion section on the census survey. This is more than that. Salvation is by the grace of Jesus alone. That's the foundation. But it's not the end. We're supposed to be building something with our lives. Our mentality can't be that as long as I get in, I'll be good to go. That's not, that's not the way this is supposed to be. It's, it's more than that. Listen, if, if getting saved is all following Jesus means to you, then you're missing out. <laughs> I mean, you are absolutely missing out. If, if that's all it means, I got saved, then you're missing out. It's so much more than that. God has so much more for you. You're supposed to be building something. You're supposed to be built up into a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
What you spend your life on is supposed to be eternal, something that lasts longer than, than straw tossed in fire. Here's another way to say it. When you gave your life over to Christ, not, not just believed that he was real, but surrendered your life to him, when that happened, your punishment for your sinful nature was paid for by the grace of God and by no work of your own. It was all Jesus. The punishment for your sinful nature was paid for. But your sinful nature remained, didn't it? How many of you, when you got saved, you stopped sinning? I was going to say we could meet afterwards and talk. You didn't stop sinning. Your sinful nature remained. You, you still desired things you shouldn't desire. You, you still thought things you shouldn't think. You said some things that you, you still today say things that you shouldn't say. Go places you shouldn't go. You still make mistakes, both accidentally and on purpose. You look at stuff you shouldn't look at. That's your sinful nature still at work. <clears throat> so when you surrendered to Christ... This transformation process was kick-started in you, a process called sanctification. And the idea of sanctification, the biblical idea of sanctification, is that you are right now being made into the image of Jesus. You're being made more like Jesus actively right now, day by day. You were saved and justified by grace and no work of your own. It kick-started this sanctification process of you right now being made into the image of Jesus Christ into this, whole, this temple of the Holy Spirit. And the whole thing is by God's grace. But while grace is absolutely free, it is not easy. Grace is free, but it's not easy. This sanctification process, this becoming all that God would have you to become for his glory and the sake of a world of people that, that are lost and dying without him. This whole thing, it takes effort and it takes work. And don't hear what I'm not, I'm not saying. You're, not, you're, you're never standing on your own two feet. You're never doing anything outside of the power, the resurrection power of Christ at work in you. You're never becoming independent of the Holy Spirit. Like, I got strong enough, I can do this on my own. That is never happening. But Philippians 2 talks about working out your faith with fear and trembling. And 1 Corinthians 3 just said that we're building on the foundation of Christ, of grace in our lives. And that what we choose to build with matters to God. And then listen to Romans 2. Romans 2, starting in verse 6. It'll be on the screen. It says this. He, God, will render to each one according to his works. Let's just stop there for a second. Not a great message for our culture today, right? Even Christian culture. But it's in the Bible. Romans 2, verse 6. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, not, not that they don't know the truth, not that, not that they don't even teach the truth, but they don't obey the truth. You see the difference? They don't obey the truth, but obey instead unrighteousness. For those people, there will be wrath and there will be fury. 
So we're not just supposed to kind of sit back and do nothing, right? This is about more than just believing or, or getting saved or making it to heaven. Much more. It's about being made more and more like Jesus, becoming more and more like Jesus. And so back to New Year's resolutions for a second. What if your New Year's resolution for 2019 wasn't just to get in shape and save money? What if it was something deeper than that, something bigger than that? What if your New Year's resolution was to become more like Jesus in 2019 in a significant way? What if it was about becoming more like Jesus because you want as much of God as possible in your life because you, you want more than just belief or going to heaven someday. You know God has more for you now, more for you to be, more for you to do, more for you to build. What if your New Year's resolution was to look up in 2020, this time, in 2020, and look back on 2019 and go, I became more like Jesus in a significant way. If that was your resolution, what would you do? I mean, what, were, what would be the action te- steps that you would take? Because a goal is only, good as, only as good as the plan that you come up with to achieve the goal, right? You can't just make goals and go, it'll happen. <laughs> that doesn't work very well. You have to plan. You have to break it down. You have to talk about specific action steps. And so what, what would you do? If, that, if your goal was to become more like Jesus in a significant way in 2019, what action steps would you take? There's, there's so much that you could do, right? So much that you could do to become more like Jesus. You could focus on many different things. But for the next few weeks, that's, that's what we're going to focus on as a church. Spiritual habits that if we will commit to following through on these spiritual habits, they'll make us more like Jesus. And the Bible is chock full of them. It's not a secret. They're not hidden in any way. Spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines, we call them. They're unbelievably powerful. But let me set our footing right for this. When we talk about spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines, this is not like an incantation. This is not like a magic spell. Like if I say the right thing, do the right thing, do it exactly how it prescribes, then God will give me what I want. As long as I do this, then God will do this. A lot of times when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we get confused and we make the discipline itself uh, the end. But this is not a, this is not a, coke, a cosmic Coke machine. Like just put enough spiritual quarters in and you get what you want. That's not the way this works. This is a path. What we're going to talk about is a path. These spiritual habits, they form a path, and the path is not what changes us. It's the person that the path leads us to that changes us. It's Jesus Christ. So you can get legalistic and you can talk about, I, this is what's changing me. If I do this every day, then this is where my hope is. This is where my future is. No, this leads you somewhere. These spiritual habits are supposed to lead you to Jesus. It's not the path that changes us. It's the person the path leads us to. It's Jesus Christ. So I want to give you some things to focus on in this series. The, the best things that should outweigh the neutral sinful or or empty things 
that we tend to spend our lives on, the God things that should far outweigh the good things. In a book called Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster gives us a good structure that we'll use loosely um, during this sermon series. For us, as we study these spiritual habits that form this path to Jesus over the next three weeks, we'll look at the inward focus, the outward focus, and the together focus. Inward, outward, and together. Spiritual habits in each of those categories. But maybe you're sitting here and you're going, yeah, that sounds good, but I, you're going to get us stuff to do and I already got stuff to do. Like I can't, my life is full. I don't have any, I don't have any room for anything else. Pastor, like I don't, I can't add anything to my life. Well, well maybe you're in that place because your life is full of sin. You have yet to give your life over to Jesus Christ fully. And so you're tempted with sin, and it's, it's full of sin, and that's taking up a lot of space in your life. And what you need to do is you need to surrender your life over to Jesus once and for all. That's, what you, that's the first step. Talk about New Year's resolutions. Talk about 2019 being different. Talk about being made into the image of Jesus Christ, becoming like Jesus in a significant way over the next 12 months. That's step one. You don't start with spiritual disciplines. That's not the way it works. You surrender your life over to Jesus. Start that process of sanctification, and then we'll help you over the next three weeks establish these spiritual disciplines that you'll need to become more and more like Jesus. So when you look back on 2019, if this is you, if you're honest with yourself, when in the future, when you look back on 2019, what I pray is that you don't just look at these 12 months as, as transformative, but you look at January 6, 2019 as the day that you gave your life over to Jesus full on, forever, completely, all in, holding nothing back, and that you experienced transformation. That's my prayer for you. If you have yet to give your life over to Jesus, maybe you feel like you can't fit anything in your life. Maybe it's because you need to give it to Jesus, okay? But maybe this is you. And you've got a lot of good things. You're, maybe you're a Christ follower. But I just, don't, I just don't have any time. I don't have any space. I don't have any margin in my life. I get what you're saying, but I just can't do it. Maybe it's because, like I said, you've, you've neglected the God things in favor of all these good things. What, what, if it was, what if it was just about shifting your focus a little bit? Because right now, right now, you look back every year, and, and you're, you're on a treadmill. You're running fast, but you're going nowhere. You're reaching out, but you're not grasping. And it's a devastating place to be, if this is you. It's a devastating place to be, because God has so much more for you. God has so much more for you, and your heart longs for it. Your heart knows that God has this for you. And so if this is you, maybe it's just about, maybe it's just about shifting the focus a little bit, ordering things in a different way. Let me illustrate what I'm saying. What if, what if you decided instead of, instead of filling your life with the neutral things, the unnecessary things, all of that first, what if you first focused on the God things? And when I say focus, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not talking attention span. Like some of you are like, I have like the worst attention. Like this whole series is going to be horrible. I'm talking about focus. I'm like a gnat. Like I have the attention span of a gnat. Squirrel, right? So um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about intellect. 
I'm talking about from a wide angle view of your life, setting it on a path purposefully and intentionally that leads you to becoming more like Jesus. So I'm talking wide angle here, not momentary focus, but focusing your whole life. You tracking with me? So what if by just, what if you could change this whole scenario by just focusing on the God things first? So what if you said, before I do anything else in 2019, I'm going to make sure that I have this inward focus, this inward spiritual disciplines, these disciplines like prayer and Bible study and fasting and meditation. And then you said, and I'm going to do the outward disciplines. I'm going to make sure those are, are a bedrock of my faith and a bedrock in my life, a foundation that I can build on. And so service, submission, all those kind of things that we do together, we do outwardly. Simplicity is one of those that we'll talk about. And then you said the together disciplines. I'm going to make sure that I put those in my life first before anything else. And so corporate worship, worshiping together, guidance, gaining wisdom from other people, submission. These are some of those disciplines. And then you said, whatever else that God has for me, there's so much more that, that, that are other disciplines like Sabbath and generosity and all those kind of things. But you say, I'm going to put those in my life first and then I'll do other things. And then you have to do what you have to do, right? The, the, the necessary things. It's the same no matter what. These are, you got to go to work. You got to uh, pay the bills. Like I said, your kids keep wanting to eat every day, right? Uh, three times a day or more. My kids want to eat like every five seconds. And so someone was like, amen, all right? Uh, but these are the things that you can't get around. You got to mow the lawn. You got to get the oil changed. You got to clean the house. You got to do all of that stuff. You can't, you can't help it. And these also include, you know, taking care of things that you can't foresee, um, the needs of family, the needs of friends. And you fill your life with that next after you've gotten the, the God things in your life. And then if there's room, you think about, the good things are the neutral things, not the, not the sinful things, but the good things, the, the neutral things, the things that, that would add a little bit to your life. You start, you think, I'm going to read a novel. I'm going to watch some TV. These aren't inherently bad, right? These are good things. So we're going to do those things. We're, we're going to go to the lake on the weekend every now and then because now that I've got the foundational God things in my life, these good things aren't going to get in the way anymore. You got kids' activities. Some of you are going from sport to sport to sport, game to game to game, meet to meet to meet, right? If you have room in your life after the God things, then you put those things in. Other hobbies like going hunting, basket weaving, and ferret racing. (laughs) And if you have some time after all that, you do some Facebook scrolling. Or maybe this includes career advancement, making some money, making some extra money. So you can be more generous with it. These things are good. But after, after you've focused on the God things and got the spiritual habits that you're supposed to have in your life, you find that you have the room to fit everything that you're supposed to fit. You just had to focus on the right things first. The right things at the right time, right? Good things over God things. Focus. A path that leads to a person that wants to transform your life 
in ways you have yet to imagine. Jesus Christ. What if in 2019 you got off the treadmill, not literally, you can still go to the gym, you got off the treadmill running fast and going nowhere. And instead, you looked at your life from a wide-angle view and you said, I want to become more like Jesus in 2019 in a significant way. If that's your resolution, how are you going to accomplish it? What are you going to do? We'll talk about that over the next three weeks. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us, that your word is always both timely and timeless. God, I pray that whatever was of me today would be quickly forgotten, fall to the wayside, but whatever was of you would be remembered, would haunt us, that tomorrow and the next day and the next day would not be forgotten. I pray for those in this room who have yet to fully give their lives over to you, to surrender to you, to make you the foundation, to become a temple of your Holy Spirit. I pray that nothing else would be in their minds right now, no distractions. Nothing else would be in their minds besides making that decision to follow you 100%, to make you the Lord, the master of their lives. I pray that they would make that decision and experience your transformation today, January 6th, 2019. Lord, thank you for all that you're doing in and through us. We pray that you would help us to order our lives correctly, to focus our lives on what will last, on building something that will make it to eternity. It's in your name and by your grace that we pray. Everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand with me? Here's my prayer for you today. May the Holy Spirit dispel distraction and confusion long enough for you to see where your life is out of focus. May your response not be to bring your own strength or your own ideas but instead to lean into the resurrection power of Jesus Christ like you never have before. And with your life, may you build something that lasts. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Make sure you talk this over with your life group this week. If you're not in a life group, talk to somebody at Connection Central and we'll get you plugged in. As always, my challenge to you is that you not let this stop with you. That just like you've been helped to take your next step towards God, so go out and help others take their next steps towards God. Be Jesus followers who make and disciple other Jesus followers. God bless. I'll see you next week for week two in our focus series.